0: Hmm. this is uh, Mumon Khan case 12 Swigan called himself master the case every day master Swigan used to call to himself master and would answer yes again he would call thoroughly awake thoroughly awake and he would answer yes Yes, don't be deceived by others any day or any time. No, no. Mumon's commentary. Oswegan himself buys and sells. He has many puppet gods and devils with which he plays. But why? Look, one is calling, one is answering, one keeps awake. One is not deceived by others, but if you get stuck there, that's not it. If you were to imitate Swigand, it will be the understanding of a fox. The verse, the reason those who learn the way don't realize the truth is simply that they perceive the discriminating consciousness they've had all along. It is the origin of endless life and death. Fools take it for the essential self. As Mulun says in the commentary to the koan, Master Swigand has many puppet gods and devils, which we he place. One that calls, the other one answers. The other one is truly awake. And the other one is not being deceived by others. We're not different from Master Swiggins. Like him, all of us are constantly deceived by these puppet gods and demons, telling us we're not enough, we're better than others, we should be ashamed, we like this, don't like that, things should be this way or the other way, and so on. The difference between us and Master Swigen, is that we haven't pay attention to them. We don't acknowledge them as often as Master Swigen did. And for that reason, these puppet gods and demons have so much power over us. We trust them and embody them daily. This power is such that they take tangible forms. This is where the so-called others come from. They're simply manifestations of all these voices inside. We can see how powerful these puppet gods and demons became by watching the TV or looking around, seeing what is happening in our society these days. We're harming ourselves and others because we are trusting these voices without realizing that this is nothing but our discriminating consciousness. The verse The reason those who learn the way don't realize the truth is simply that they perceive the discriminating consciousness they've had all along. It is the origin of endless life and death. Fools take it for the essential self. We're so used to trusting this discriminating consciousness. After all, that is all we know. Like Jermu Roshi mentioned on the last Sunday show, those who are creating a disturbance and expressing in destructive manners have their rationality behind it. They deeply believe they're doing the right thing and that they must do what they're doing so their beliefs and perceptions can prevail. And those on the other side are doing just the same. The difference lies in the places where each of us form and shape these ideas, such as society, culture, parents, and school. That is the truth we learn when we were young and somehow pure, empty vessels. And that is the truth we blindly trust. We have forgotten that these learned things are rooted in the discriminating consciousness. Fools take this truth for the essential self. Master Swigand calls himself master. Who is this master? Where is this master? He refers to it, that which is unnameable, but we all have it, it is always there. He refers to the absolute truth. The key is that he called this master even before he had a realization and deep understanding of this truth. But once he did realize it, he continued to call it. This mean like us, he did not grasp the absolute truth at first, but he trusted. It and still call it. Every day, every time he acknowledged this absolute truth and call it. We, on the other hand, are afraid of conceiving a completely different truth. We like to talk about it. Some of us may have a glimpse of it, but we rather stick to the familiar relative truth that comes from the discriminating mind, the one we know. We're so used to it that convincing, that conceiving another truth is terrifying because it may mean that we may have to let go of what we believe as truth. In a way, we may have to let go of us. Right before I met Jumri Roshi, I used to go to this meditation center, which I found out it was a cold 15 years later when I was out of there. I remember the day I left and for several weeks after, They harassed me telling me that I was going to hell, that I understood nothing about Dharma, my spiritual life was over, just to name a few things. I can see now how foolish this thing sound, but then I believed them and got into me. So out of my desperation and despair, I went to the only Zen teacher I knew, Shingo Roshi. The funny part is that out of the many practices I learned in the center, Zen was the one that I rejected the most. But for some inexplicable reason, going to a Zen teacher was the only thing that came to mind and felt right at this specific at that specific moment. So I remember I asked her if I could talk to her about all my doubts and fears. So she invited me over for breakfast at the New York Zendo. After I told her everything that it was going on, she said to me, there is a koan that goes like this. Every day, Master Swigand used to call himself master and would answer yes. Again, he will call thruly awake, thruly awake. And he would answer yes, yes. Don't be deceived by others any day or any time. No, no. At the moment, I thought, yes, she's right. I'm being deceived by them. Those people in the cult are trying to deceive me. I have to regain the power I have, that I have been giving to them for such a long time and empower myself. Years later, here I am, joined this wonderful Zanga, being led by this wonderful teacher, Julia Roshi, and I was asked to leave an angle which then was radical acceptance. The highlight of my few years in the Zen path with Junryo Roshi has been trusting. For some reason, every talk, every koan, every discussion, every dokusan will end up in trust. Accepting my true nature, accepting that even if I cannot see the master within, it is always there. Accept and trust. When the Ango period came to the end, I was talking to Junryu and expressing how hard it is for me to write. One of the hardest part of the Ango was to write an email. I like to express, but I, I struggle with the writing and had to translate it. Um, I feel something is lost. So Junryu said, do you want to give a talk instead? And here we go again. My puppets were out of control, and as you can imagine, my discriminating consciousness was fully active, making me doubt about everything. But to my surprise, the talk was about the koan. This koan that by, I guess, calling coincidence was the same koan that Shingo Roshi recited to me years ago. Needless to say, Junryo um, Roshi did not know about Shingo Roshi telling me this koan. So what a coincidence my discriminating mind thought, but the master knew it wasn't a coincidence. The koan came back, but something in the way I perceive it changed. The deceivers are not outside, they're within. They were the same deceivers from years ago and probably many past lives. I just wasn't able to perceive them. So I guess we do make progress after all. The only thing that is still, I still trust them and and that seems to be something that we all share in common. I can say that shifting or redirecting this trust is still a work in progress. But why? Why we still trust them? Well, it's our nature to trust. We just need to go deeper in that and from the relative consciousness move to an absolute consciousness. Which brings me to another important point of this one and a commentary from Yamada Kuhn says, I am always telling you to wipe out your thoughts, to sweep away your concepts and ideas Calling them the enemy. And this is useful for guidance and practice. But actually, I should call them the temporary enemy, the enemy for the time being. As long as you're controlled or pulled around by concepts, including that of ego, they are your enemy because they are obstacles to obtaining enlightenment. But if you once attain true self realization, you will acknowledge that all concepts all concepts, are nothing but the glorious light of your self nature. There is no separation between the deceivers and the master. There is no separation between the one who is calling and the one who's answering. This is radical acceptance. When we acknowledge these puppets and do not reject them. Another way to look at this is when we chant merging of sameness and differences. The part that says, Ordinary life fits the absolute as a box and it's lit. The absolute meets the relative like two arrows meeting in mid air. Ordinary life is the absolute. This is it. The voices, puppets, and deceivers will always be there, and they're not different or Better said, they're not separated from the master. We just need to perceive them with a deeper consciousness. Like in the movie, I'm not sure if you all watch it, which is um, Beautiful Mind. Um, it was about this um, man that had schizophrenia. And after battling with the people, he used to see people and talk to them and take it as real. So after battling with the people he saw, he ended up living in peace with them. His technique was similar to Master Sweden's. He constantly makes sure he was not being deceived by them. The voices will never go away. It's their nature. They have space. So it is up to us to remember to constantly come back home, to call the master as Sweden did. Whether it's by breathing, by doing yoga, by sitting in Zazen, the technique is irrelevant as long as the results are the same, keep coming back home. From my personal experience, yoga has been a great help. Every time I step on the mat, something shifts and I can't help to be fully present. When you link the breath with the movement and allow your body to move to the rhythm of your breath, the mind has no other option than to join this dance. And so even if I try to be somewhere else, it just doesn't happen unless I lose that connection, then everything gets lost. But yet I can always go back to it. It is always there and it is always available. It is up to me to make it so like another of our chanting. Nirvana, it's already here. It is up to us to make it so. What I am learning now, where I am at now, is to take that mat everywhere, even when I'm not in it. I need to take it to go. Yoga is my practice and what fits me. But the beauty of the master is that it comes in many forms and expresses in different ways that is why it's formless. So for some of you may be running, singing, writing, painting, or just breathing. It doesn't matter what it is as long as it bring us back home to the master. I just want to finish reminding us of the great responsibility that we have with each other. We must strive to awaken to the master, to the voices, to this, and also awake others by serving as an example, by sharing our experiences, by enduring, by keep coming home. We must reflect on our lives and the many roles that have been given to us and put those roles to good use. Awaken through being a father, a daughter, a student, a teacher, awakened by being nobody or anybody. We need to use what we have to awaken ourselves and others. As a high school teacher, one of the many roles I play in this lifetime, um, my ultimate purpose is to teach my students beyond the subject. I try to teach them to live. To trust, to connect with themselves, to honor their bodies and minds, to be authentic. And by teaching them, I learn. Like the famous quote that says if you really want to learn something, teach it. So I would like to finish by asking you, where is your master at this very moment? And while you reflect on that, I, going back to what Jury said at the beginning, um, as an opening, I would like to end with a paragraph that the head trainee usually says at the end of Shuso Hoson ceremony, just to put things in perspective. Being immature and insufficient in training, I wasn't expecting to be assigned as a head trainee. I feel as if a crime has been committed, which feels the heavens and there isn't a place on earth for me to hide. I hope there is enough water in the ocean for you to rinse out my words from your ears.